to encourage you, if you're watching at home, and thank you for joining in. The scriptures say, don't forsake yourself, the assembly of believers. And it's difficult to assemble in the midst of a quarantine, in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. But you are joining in, and you're, you're overcoming obstacles. And I know that the Lord is proud of you for taking this time out. So I want to encourage you to pick up your phone or your laptop or however you are joining in and gathering together with our church family and just hitting share right now. For real, do this right now. Pick up your phone and hit share. And let's be sure that, uh, that we continue to spread the word because in about 12 minutes into this message, I'm going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so partner with me in this. Um, I believe that, that the gospel is going to go worldwide today. And so right now, pick up your phone. For real, do it. Right now, pick up your phone, however you're watching, and hit share. And what's going to happen is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go out, and many people are going to come to Christ. So partner, partner with me in this. And once again, I know that the Lord is proud of you, because his command is don't forsake yourself at the assembly. And there is an enormous a worldwide pandemic, and yet, and, 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 a, and, and a quarantine, and yet you are faithful to gather. So let's partner together, knowing that God works all things together for the good. And so hit share right now. In about 12 minutes into this message, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to go out. And there's going to be people all over the world who will hear the gospel who would not have otherwise heard the gospel. So let's just pray for that person. Father, we thank you for the person in about 12 minutes who's going to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Their eternal address will be rewritten, and they will be led from sin into freedom, from enmity with you into a relationship with you. To you be the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so at home, I want to share with you two promises about peace, because peace is, um, is not like the world thinks that peace is. Did you realize that over the, over the last about 5,000 years, we've had thousands and thousands of peace treaties, and yet the world has still not experienced worldwide peace. There's only been a matter of decades of worldwide peace in the midst of our entire history. Think of this. The war to end all worlds, World War II, resulted in, well, World War I resulted in the first, in, in the League of Nations. World War II resulted in the United Nations. And since World War II, the United States alone has been involved in the Korean War, the Vietnamese War, the, Af the Iraqi Wars, the Afghanistan Wars, and many other skirmishes. And so we have a peace in the midst of war. We have a peace in the midst of chaos. And we can have a peace in the midst of pandemic. This is the promise of God. And let's read about the promise of peace, and then we're going to talk about the practice of peace. The promise of peace, and then the practice of peace. And so first, let's look at Jesus' promise of peace in John chapter 14 and in verse 27. And then we're going to look at the practice of peace in the book of Philippians. But first, the promise of peace. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we have three characteristics about this peace. The first is that this peace that Jesus gives, it's the peace with God. It's the peace with God. First and foremost, 
the peace that Jesus leaves is a peace with God. And this is what the gospel is. It's the opportunity to have peace with God. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can have this peace with God right now. It's a peace with God because Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. And when he absorbed our sins, he bought an opportunity for us to experience peace with God. But not only is it the peace with God, but it's the very peace of God. Look at this in verse 27. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. The very peace of God is a gift for you right now. The very peace of God. Think about this peace. It's the peace that allowed Jesus to be content when he was in the wilderness fasting 40 days. This is the peace that God wants to give you. It's the peace that when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he was able to withstand because he had a peace that the world didn't give him and the world couldn't take away. It's a peace that uh, sustained him in the wilderness, but not only that, it's the peace that caused the storms around him, as we looked at over the last couple of weeks, to cease and to be still. But not only that, it's the peace that allowed him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and sweating drops of blood to pray through until the Spirit broke through and he had a greater peace than the anxiousness in his heart that caused him to sweat these drops of blood. This is the peace that is available to you right now. It's a peace that gives you contentment. It's a peace that's stronger than your storm. It's a peace that's stronger than your anxiety. It's the peace that enabled Jesus to have love it's the people who were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. It's a peace that allowed Jesus to remain silent. Like a lamb led to its slaughter. When they were ripping the flesh off his back and pulling the beard out of his face and, 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 and hammering the spikes into his hands and feet. It's a peace that allowed him to look at the people who were hurling insults at him and to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's a peace that allowed him to look at the thief being crucified next to him and say, today you will be with me in paradise. It's a peace that allowed him to say, it is accomplished, and give up his spirit and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Not a lesser peace, but my very peace, that same peace that you saw in me, this is my peace. This is the peace that's available to you. This was on the eve of Christ's crucifixion that he promised this peace to you. This was, in effect, Christ's last will and testament. And in his last will and testament, he said, I leave to you my peace. He's the only one who, in his will and testament, can leave peace. If in my will and testament I leave to you peace, it's only because I have a dog named peace and you can have that dog. Or if I leave to you my joy, it's because I have a dog named joy. Or if I leave to you my love, it's because I have a dog named love. But in Jesus' last will and testament, when he said, I leave to you my peace, joy, and love, oh, it is his very peace, joy, and love. Word 1118 
six minutes away from the gospel being shared. So right now, share this live feed so that friends on your Facebook who would have never come to this church, friends across the world who would have never come to this church are going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're going to be saved. Share it now. Because in six minutes, the gospel is going to be preached. Jesus gives us the promise of peace, and it's a peace with God. But not only that, it's a peace of God. But not only that, it's a peace for the glory of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, we see that we ourselves have heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain, and we lead the prophetic word and watch this so that we are a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. The darker it becomes all around us, the brighter that the light will shine within us. And this is for the glory of Christ. This is the promise of peace. Jesus said, I'm going to leave you my peace. It's a peace with God. The same peace with my Father that I've experienced in all of eternity, you can have. But not only that, it's the peace of God. It's a lesser peace. It's, it's not a lesser peace. It's the same peace that sustained me in the wilderness. The same peace that caused the wind and the waves to obey me. The same peace that was stronger than the anguish in Gethsemane. The same peace that carried me through the crucifixion. This is the peace that I give to you. In the midst of your pandemic, you can have peace. But not only that, it's a peace that's going to glorify my Father. And as this peace rises in your heart, then it's going to shine all around you, and my Father will be glorified. And so now, let's look at the practice of this peace. And with that, we go to the book of Philippians, and we see the letter that Paul wrote to the book of Philippians. And we see three ways that the Apostle Paul practiced this peace. Three ways that the Apostle Paul practiced this peace in times of difficulty. The first way we read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 through 9, is that Paul knew that God was near. This is why he experienced this peace. This is the quintessential passage on experiencing God's peace in difficulty. We read in verse 5, the Lord is at hand. In this quintessential passage on practicing peace, Paul first and foremost says, the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. God is with me. This peace doesn't come into our lives because all of our circumstances are going right. This quintessential passage on peace is written not because Paul is in a five-star hotel, it's written while he's in prison, while he's being beat, while he very well could be on death row. And he says, yet I know a peace. And this peace is because God is near. I'm reminded of a story about a little cub that was separated from her mama bear. And this little cub was being tracked by this mountain lion. And finally, the mountain lion caught up with this little cub, and, the mount, and, 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 and this mountain lion roared at the cub. And the little cub was terrified and stood up and gave it its best roar, but it was a tiny squeak. 
And with that tiny squeak, that mountain lion's ears cowered in its tail, tucked between its legs, and it slowly walked back and turned around and ran off. Because behind that little bear cub was the mama bear standing up and roaring with all of her might. And in the same way, no matter what is going on around you, you have the mama bear, so to speak, But it's God the Father, Jesus Christ with you, the Holy Spirit in your heart. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you. He is for you. And He is roaring. And no matter what comes against you, no matter what assails you, even when the enemy comes against you like a flood, God the Father roars. And His roar is infinitely more powerful than whatever it is that you're going through. And if you agree to that, then just hit like, hit the hearts, let them fly up and hit share. Because we are about two minutes away from the gospel of Jesus Christ being shared. Two minutes away from people on the other side of the earth who would have never come to 1701 Hemphill, Fort Worth, 76110, the corner of Hemphill and Allen, hearing the gospel. And yet they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to be saved. And we know this because God works all things for the the good. He brings beauty out of ashes. There is purpose in our pain, and there is purpose in our pandemic. There is purpose in our pandemic, and it is all for the glory of God. God is working right now in about three ways that you can specify, but he's working in about 10 million ways that you have no idea in your life personally and all across the world. God is near me, but not only that, God hears me. We go on to read, the Lord is at hand, and verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known, known to God. He hears you, which is why we are promised, in everything, let your supplications be, be known to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Let your supplication with thanksgiving be made known to God. Philippians 4, 6. And I I like the way the the New Living Translation renders this passage. I love how simply it simply says, I love how it simply says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. And we don't worry about anything because God is on his throne. There's a statement that God has never made. And that statement is, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh. What are we going to do now? God has never made that statement. And he never will because he has never fallen off of his throne of sovereignty. He is holding all things together. And he is working all things together for the good. And so we make our requests known. Because he hears and he responds. And we make our request known with thanksgiving because we know that God is going to answer. God won't necessarily answer in the way that we want, but he will answer in a way that we need. And what we need is ultimately what we deeply, deeply, deeply want. And so we thank him in advance because we know that he's ultimately going to answer in his wisdom and in his power and in his love and in a manner that we can never ask or imagine. And then the third characteristic of this piece, 
practicing it. First is this, know that God is near me. Secondly, know that God hears me. So we make our request known with thanksgiving. And if you're experiencing anxiety, first, are you praying? Are you accessing your prayer closet? Because the scripture says, be anxious about nothing, but pray in everything. And secondly, if you're saying, well, yeah, I'm praying, but I'm not really experiencing his peace. I still have anxiousness. Then let me ask you this. Is there worship in your prayers? Is there thanksgiving in your prayers? Because when we incorporate worship and thanksgiving in our prayers, when we truly set our phones aside and we walk away from the news and we enter into our prayer closets and we make our requests known and we pour our heart out to God and we incorporate into our prayer life thanksgiving for what he's done, for what he's doing, for what we know he's going to do. But not only that, we incorporate into our prayers worship. We just adore him. We praise him. Then we will walk out of our prayer closet and we'll have the peace of God upon us. Because thirdly, he guards us. And we go on to read in verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. There are eight things. And so we have to look at it like this. Our mind is a party, and we have to have a very exclusive guest list. There are only eight guests that can ever be invited into our minds. These eight guests are Miss Lovely, Mr. Commendable. Uh, there is there is our friend called Worthy and our friend called Praise, so forth and so on. And if any guest tries to enter into our mind, then we have a bouncer named Peace that says, no, you are not welcome here. You're not invited here. We have to be intentional. We have to be exclusive about what we think upon and how we interpret the events that are surrounding us. And the filter is peace. And the only thing that we allow into our minds, into our thought process to stay, to meditate upon, are those things that are lovely, commendable, anything that's excellent, anything that's praiseworthy, um, anything that's honorable, anything that's just, anything that's pure. Only these things can be allowed into our minds. And if you're experiencing anxiety, let me ask you this. Have you just opened up the gates to allow any thoughts into this party in your mind? If so, then you need to allow the bouncer called the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit of Christ, to kick out thoughts that should not be in your mind because they are not on this, on this exclusive guest list of eight that we read about. These things that are honorable, just, true, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. These are the only eight things that should ever remain in our mind. And if there's a ninth, that's why you have anxiety in your heart. And through the Prince of Peace and the power of the Holy Spirit, you have to expel that thought. We cast down our thoughts because the battle is won here, the scripture says, in Romans chapter 8. Jesus promises a peace with God, the peace of God. Not a lesser peace, but the very peace that sustained Christ. And Jesus promises a peace for the very glory of Christ as we shine to contrast the darkness. And the Apostle Paul, in the most difficult of scenarios, shows us how to practice this peace. One, know that God is near. Two, know that God 
tears. So we access our prayer closet more than we watch the news and we incorporate worship into our prayer life and thanksgiving into our prayer life. And we'll walk out of that prayer closet filled with peace and overflowing with peace. And thirdly, we must guard our minds. And if we guard our minds, then the Prince of Peace will guard our hearts. As we continue in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you and he will guard your heart and your mind. We are in the world, but not of the world. It means we are not isolated, but we are insulated. We will have troubles, but Christ has overcome these troubles. But we must make sure that there is not nine, ten, or eleven thoughts in our mind, these eight. Whatsoever things are true, lovely, of good report, anything that's commendable, anything that's praiseworthy, anything that's filled with peace, anything that's pure, we must think on these things exclusively. And the God of peace will guard our heart and minds with peace, no matter what our scenario is. And Christ will receive so much glory. And in closing, do you realize that you cannot have peace until you first have grace? If you look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul opens his letter as he opens many of his letters by saying, grace and peace to you. Paul never says peace and grace to you, but he begins by saying grace and peace to you. Because the only way that we can experience his peace is by first experiencing, receiving his grace. The entire world is looking for peace. Some people look for peace through addiction. Some people look for peace through money. Some people look for peace through the news. Some people look for peace through, through security or comfort or conveniences. Some people look for peace through control. Everybody in this world is on a quest for peace. And Jesus says, I am the Prince of Peace, and it's me that you're truly searching for. But if you want my peace to guard your heart and mind, a peace that the world didn't give you and a peace that the world can't take away, you first must receive my grace. Grace is nothing that you can achieve through a list of religious do's and don'ts. Grace is something that you receive by trusting what I've already done for you on the cross. Because you've sinned, and because of your sin, you've been separated from me. And the wages of sin is death, because I am a holy and just God. But I'm also loving, where I will not compromise my holiness and justice. I stepped off of the throne in heaven and onto the cross to pay for your sins. This is how much I love you. I was willing to go through the agony of the cross for you, rather than living in the glory of heaven without you. I paid for your sins on the cross. And this is called grace. You don't deserve it. But this is how loving God is. And when we open up our hearts by confessing that we are a sinner who needs a Savior, a lost sheep who needs a shepherd, and inviting Jesus to come into our heart, He will immediately. And at that moment, our sins are forgiven. Our eternal address is rewritten. And we become children of God. Do you have peace in your heart? 
You can have the peace of God in your life right now in the midst of a worldwide pandemic. Because God will be with you and he will be for you and he will roar louder than anything that could ever come against you and he will carry you. But to experience this peace, you must first experience his grace by humbling yourself right now and trusting his work on the cross for you. It's a gift, the Bible says, that we receive simply through faith. As we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And it is not by coincidence that there is a worldwide pandemic. It is not by coincidence that you're home right now watching this. It is the sovereignty of God. He's orchestrated every detail of humanity and every detail of your life. And the gospel is intersecting with your life right now so that you will bow your head and pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Would you pray with me to receive Christ? With all my heart, I wish that you were here in this room. So I guess I stand with me, make a public profession, walk down the aisle. But we don't have to do that because Scriptures say, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Scripture says, the just shall live by faith, but you have to make a decision to be born again. As Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me, I will serve the Lord. We have testimony after testimony of people who are living like hell, who are now children of God and living for Christ. And it's not at all a surprise. They're dramatic testimonies, but not at all a surprise because it is exhausting to seek peace from this world that cannot provide it. And eventually you get worn down and you need a Savior. And you realize you need living waters. And you realize you need a peace that will roar at the storms that rage around you. And this is Jesus Christ. And he's willing to be your Savior. Scripture says in 1 Peter, I am willing that none should perish, says the Lord. But everybody come to everlasting life. You've not strayed beyond the reach of God's unconditional love, acceptance, and forgiveness. You have not stumbled beneath the depth of his grace right now. When you call out to Jesus Christ, his spirit will enter your heart and you will be a new creation. You will be born again. You will be heaven bound. And you'll have the peace of God that passes all understanding in your heart and in your mind. So where I can't ask you to walk down the aisle, I can't ask you to bow your head right now. And repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. I am exhausted from trying to find peace in this world. I turn from that and I turn to you. Jesus, I open up my heart to you. Come into my heart and forgive me for my sins. I trust that you paid for my sins when you died on the cross. Now take over my life. Jesus, be my Lord. Did you call out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? If you did, all of heaven is rejoicing. And this church family is rejoicing with you.
And if you called out to Christ, then I want you to message me. If you called out to Christ to be your Lord and Savior, comment or send me a message right now. And we just want to follow up on how to grow in this relationship with you. Family of God, worry is not our way. We are not of those who shrink back. It is a, con it is a core conviction of our heart and mind that God brings beauty out of ashes. The lenses through which we view and interpret all things is that God loves us and God is for us and God is at work all around us. And so we don't look at the world all around us, but we're focused on Christ who makes all things new, all things beautiful, all things work together for the good, all things beautiful in its time. Do you have peace in your heart and mind? Peace is a promise to his children. But to practice peace, you must remember that God is near. God is with you. You must remember that he hears you. So you access your prayer closet and incorporate worship and thanksgiving into your prayer. And you guard your mind so that the guest list is exclusive. All Whatsoever things are pure, lovely, just, of good rapport, commendable. If there's anything praiseworthy, you must think on these things exclusively and expel all other thoughts in Jesus' name. And we meditate on the promises of God. Storms come and go. This worldwide pandemic will come and go. But one thing remains, the promise of God. Scriptures say the grass withers, but the word remains forever. So whoever is clinging to the word, meditating on truth, standing on truth, expecting the fulfillment of truth, remain with the promises of God. Worry is not our way. We are followers of the Prince of Peace. Therefore, we are people of peace. A peace the world didn't give us, and a peace that the world cannot take away. So church family, let's gather together and worship Jesus, this Prince of Peace.